Welcome to the Beyond High Performance Podcast, featuring content and conversations from me, Jason Jaggard, along with our elite coaches at Novus Global, their high-performing clients, and the faculty at the Meta Performance Institute for Coaching. On this podcast, you'll hear some of the world's best executive coaches and high-performing leaders, artists, and athletes discuss how they continue to go beyond high performance in their lives and businesses. How am I using my no in a way that's going to build a better yes in the future? One of the things that we provide is helping people become the best possible human they could become. Because we say, look, I'm going to tell you something difficult, not because I want you to feel bad, but because I love you. Today's episode is from our show on coaching, where elite coaches from Novus Global and faculty from the Meta Performance Institute discuss the pursuit of excellence in executive coaching. On this episode, MPI faculty David Gerber, Dan Leffelard, Janet Wood, and Johan Martinez-Kalilian are talking through their personal growth from pursuing a career as a coach. They discuss how to establish effective and powerful client relationships and how to maximize that growth for all parties involved. Enjoy the show. Here we go. So we're going to jump in and what we're going to, we're going to talk about today, a number of handful of different topics. So we're going to get started with this concept of uh, how, how does a coach grow and how are, and, and we're going to use specific examples from our own lives of how are we growing as coaches? Cause mm. it's, I know it's unique for all of us. I've talked to each of us about how we're all, you know, growing and continuing to keep ourselves sharp as coaches. Uh, so Dan, how about you, you lead us off. Like, so how, how are you currently growing as a coach? Have you grown over the last number of months and maybe even how do you see yourself growing in 2021? Yeah, no, that's, it's a big question. And I think depending on the person listening and where their coaching practice is at, we're going to have different kind of phases of development, like within our company, we have uh, a scale, a ladder uh, is a better way to put it, of different levels of coaching. And so within each level is a, is a different degrees of complexity of a coaching uh, practice and the kind of clients you're working with and how many people you're interacting with. And so for me, um, working mostly with professional athletes and then also executives and then working a lot in corporate spaces with multiple coaches, like um, the biggest challenge that I've been running into in the last year, I've been really working diligently at, at solving this is bandwidth and mm. uh, running at a really high capacity, knowing how to actually care for uh, my clients well in the midst of doing a lot of things at the same time, and then also living my life beyond it. So one of the things that I, it's going to seem so simple, and it's something that I think gets said so much, it, it feels a little cliche, but it's like, what, what, uh, what am I saying no to? Mm. Um, how am I using my no in a way that's going to build a better yes in the future? Um, mm. because, uh, I don't know about you, but I've, I've had the tendency to say yes to a lot of things out of like a scarcity mentality. So I'm like, mm -hmm. Ooh, I don't want to, I don't want to miss out on that opportunity. I don't want to, you know, um, I don't want to miss the boat on this thing. And I even, even noticing it today. And, and so beginning to have that kind of longer view and, and begin to think about the things that I'm up to, the clients I'm working with and going, okay, I can say yes to this person or this opportunity, um, but I know it's going to take time. And I know that if I don't strategically think about that, um, a month from now, I might regret it or a, a year from now, I definitely regret it. And so having that tension of really engaging with like, what is my long-term vision of what I want to be creating? And then also honoring myself enough to say no. And I think that the self-honoring thing is the thing that I'm wrestling with um, at this point in my practice. And there's a lot more I could say, but I'm, I'm going to stop it at that. And Because I think, I think actually, I'm curious to hear if any of you are kind of experiencing the same level of just balance or tension between those two things. Yes. Uh, well, what came to mind, you said the scarcity mentality. And I think I have a feeling that's a very common 
uh, plateau or stage that a lot of coaches get to. And that is a similar, that's been a similar battle for me in 2020. I've, it was the first year that I had a full cap, a full cap of clients. And it felt so scary to actually say, Hey, (laughs) I know you want to coach with me, but I'm full right now. And so that is absolutely, I think one of the biggest, um, pieces of growing as a coach. And if you want to actually scale up and raise your rates and take on new types of clients. And uh, that's personally been one of my my biggest things. And then I took a risk in November to say, I'm going to say no to these types of clients so that I can leave room for these next level type of clients. And now I'm in a little bit, in some ways, uh, going through a season where I have a big drop (laughs) coming up as a result of that risk I took in order to take myself to the next level. Um, And that's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a little scary. What reminds me, I was having a a call with my coach, my current coach right now. And we were talking about like my default mode is like, put your head down and grind. Like Mm -hmm. I, you give me something to do and a destination. And I'm just like singularly focused to a fault. I think. And, and what was interesting is my coach asked me, he's like, Hey, that, that's a, that's an engine you have. That's a way of being, you can, you can pull out of your pocket. That's, that's, what's gotten you here. And then he asked me, do you think it's going to, do you think that mentality is going to get you to that next level of what you want? Mm-hmm. And I was like, Oh man, no, <laughs> like it, was, mm-hmm. it was just like, Oh, that's nope. Like I, I know that in spurts, uh, in certain specific areas, yes, that's going to get me to completion and get those projects done. But an, as an overall strategy of life at this phase in my coaching practice, which is full of ideal clients, mm-hmm. um, working with some of the people that I just can't even believe I get to, to call friends and, and clients. Um, uh, he asked me, he's like, do you think you need to continue to grind the way you have been? And, and honestly, that was such a sobering question. Um, mm-hmm. for what stage I'm at, but I want to be mindful too, of, of like coaches who are building their practices because yep. for a lot of coaches, discipline is what's missing. Like for mm. me, discipline has not been the gap. It's I'm, I'm just like, go, go, go. But for a lot of coaches, you know, wasting time and procrastinating and, and that's the gear that they need to learn. And, and my coach and I were talking about how, you know, I just assume sometimes that other coaches and other people that I'm working with have that discipline. Cause I, that's just a natural mm-hmm. state that I have and that I've cultivated as an athlete and in, in, in my backgrounds other than coaching, but, um, that, that gear of discipline and that tension between, is it like always, always grinding or are you not grinding at all? And I think if you're a coach who's like struggling right now and you're thinking like, why isn't it working? I would, I would want to know like, how much are you pressing into the grind, the discipline? What does your discipline look like? Or yeah. maybe you're at the other end where I'm at, like where it's like, no, you've been using the same muscle for yeah. so long. It's not what's needed for that next level of growth. So that's I, that's the big thing for me. I'm curious to hear from Johan because uh, Johan, you've had a lot of success in a short amount of time. And I would say, you know, you've been doing this uh, for a shorter amount of time than us. And I'm curious what that flip looked like from from discipline to trying to take yourself to the next level to raising your rates and what that process has been for you. Cause you've been a coach for now, what, two years? September is the, the beginning of my third year as a coach. Mm. September so 2020 year, right now. Yeah. Right now nice. we're, we're recording this in January. So Johan, I'm curious, like at the stage you're at, um, what is growth looking like for you right now? I'm the rookie of the bunch, huh? Well, at least the the youngest <laughs> of the bunch. I'm the I'm the new kid on the block. 
<laughs> and I guess, you know, the way that I interact with this question, and this is part of why I love coaching so much, is that you can replace coach with human, right? Like, how are you growing as a human? Yeah. As a, because I think one of the things that we provide is helping people become the best possible human they could become, right? Which is why this is not just, I think, a conversation that only connects with people who want to be coaches. But if you want to thrive as a human being, hopefully we say some things that connect with you. And for me, well, one, I love being a part of this community that we have at Novus because we refuse to let one another stay complacent. Mm -hmm. And I remember when I first hit my, so my first month as a coach ever, I had nine clients. My cap was 10. And so I knew I was like, oh, something's up. Like, there's something to this, whether it was like a, an innate ability. I, th I, I think part of it was I had established a reputation for years as a person who was in leadership, a speaker. And so I think people automatically was like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. And the more I started to, to lean in and pursue this work, I felt like just the art of powerful conversations was like kind of second nature for me. Mm -hmm. And then I remember um, when I had a full cap after Q1 um, in, in, my, in the beginning of my second year, I had a conversation with Amanda, who's another one of our coaches. And she's like, okay, you got a full cap and you got some people at your rate, which is, you know, 250 an hour. So what about 500? And I remember I was like, ah, I don't think I'm, I don't think I'm ready for that. <laughs> like I, like I was like, I just got here. So mm -hmm. like, why can't you let me be here for a while? And um, so, but I, I, because we are who we are, I made a commitment to jump into that and said, okay. Joe, can, with, yeah. Can I ask you a question about that? Yeah, for sure. If she hadn't asked you that question, how long do you think you would have stayed there? Well, that's part of That's actually part of what I wanted to get to. I think with my natural tendency, probably like two or three years. Wow. Because I think, you know, for me, it was like, wow. I, for, it's just like, I, I didn't know I could get here so fast. Now, let me just like ride this out and see how much I can do here. As opposed to asking myself the question, the question of stretching and growing so early. Because it yeah. felt it, it felt premature. Yeah. It, it felt like she was, it, it almost felt like, uh, and this, I'll tell you this actually. So I committed to having two new clients at that rate. And at the end of my coaching experience with Amanda, which we do three month stints with everybody, I didn't hit my mark. And I felt angry at her. Mm. <laughs> and I, and I wanted to blame her. And I was like, but I, and I told her that I was like, I know this is not a, like a real thing, but there's this part of me that wants to blame you for inviting me into something that I knew I wasn't ready for yet. Mm. And it's like then dangling we kind of, hope in front of you. And then <laughs> yeah, just exactly. like, ah. it's like, it almost felt like it's like you set me up to fail, mm, you wow. know? And so we, we talked about that. That ended up being a great conversation because although I, I didn't know, I knew it wasn't true. I still had that feeling in me and I wanted to kind of like come to grips with why is that inside of me? Mm -hmm. And then I remember I started coaching with John Roberts and he got to experience the fruit of my coaching with Amanda, which was, <laughs> I signed my first client at my new rate of $500 an hour, you know? And I remember I, I texted her and I said, Hey, if it wasn't for you, starting that conversation when you did, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't have started pitching the rate and I wouldn't ha be where I'm at right now. Yeah. So yeah. thank you. 
Um, it, and now, I, yeah, go ahead. Well, I was going to ask for some specifics in terms of like how, what, what, ha what shift had to take place in you that created the growth? Because if we're dissecting, and maybe we're, maybe we aren't doing this, but I, I'm really curious as to even with Dan, what what are the, like mm. the details in there, like the little moments where you do say no, or the little moments where you, when you normally would quote your previous rate, maybe of two fifty an hour, to where you go, you you take that step and you go five hundred an hour, you know, I, or you you know you set a proposal that's way bigger than you're you're used to. I love to dissect that. I don't tell me if that's interesting to the rest of you all. Well, I know. Um, I love that question, man. That's such a great question. Um, and I'm curious, Joanne, if it's the same experience for you as it is for me. I, my guess is Wait. it's different for everybody. Well, let me let me hear you then, because I've been talking for a bit. What, what, what would you say? Well, when it comes to... So the word that immediately jumped into my my mind is courage. Mm -hmm. Like a willing to fail. Like a, that. it's that risk. It's seeing... It's feeling fear and then actually stepping into the action... Um, and it reminds me, like when I was, when I was a baby coach, uh, getting trained, we were doing a high ropes course and we were, and I hate heights, like really hate heights. Um, to the point where we, you know, I, I purposely will go, will avoid like those moments. If people go up something or if I get close to a cliff edge, I like lie down on the ground. I'm one of those guys. <laughs> people are like walking over top of me and we're on this high. Yeah, I know <laughs> I shouldn't have said that. I, I immediately regret saying that. Um, we were, we were at this high ropes course and there was like a, a line strung up. I don't know if it, it felt like 300 feet. It was probably more like 25 feet, but it was, it was high <laughs> off the ground. Um, and it was strung between two trees and there was another line above it with ropes hanging down and you were harnessed in and you got to like walk across and grab these ropes. And I was about halfway across the line. And one of the other coaches who was getting trained yelled up to me. He's like, Hey, what's occurring for you now? Which is such a freaking coach question. question. And I was like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm trying not to vomit. No, I, but he, <laughs> he said, Hey, what's occurring for you right now? And, and what ran through my head, I, it's an answer I have never forgotten in, in years since. And it was, I'm scared but I don't care. Mm. And, and like, I knew in my head, if I, I feel fear, but if I don't keep my mind fixated on this point that I'm trying to get to, the fear is going to overwhelm me. I'm going to fall. And, and I noticed that when it's, when I, when it comes to uh, quoting that rate, like you said, David, or taking that step, like I feel that fear and it's like, okay, what, what is the choice I'm going to now make in the midst of feeling that? So for me, it's like that fear almost has become a really helpful barometer now uh, surrounded by people in the firm and people with believability who can, who can keep me sober in the midst of my decisions. I think that's an important element. Maybe we should talk about a little bit more in the future, yeah. but, um, but that fear, that fear is where it starts. And then the courage to actually like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to go and see what happens. So that's my answer. Johan, I'm curious what you, what your experience has been. Um, I mean, courage, I think is essential uh, for all of us when it comes to this type of growth. But I would say I, since I'm not going to repeat you, there's an audacity that mm. I was willing to step into that I think mm. was now rooted in humility as opposed to arrogance. Tell um, me more about that. Yeah, yeah. Slow that down. <laughs> Slow that down. That's yeah. Because I, I think in the in the past, what I had made up is if you go after big things, and if you you start to become bold in these ways. Mm you think too highly of yourself in an arrogant way. Yeah. And I yeah. think what I started to realize was one, that's total bullshit. Mm -hmm. um, two, it's, it's more demonstrative of your vision. 
it's more demonstrative of the contribution that you want to make in the world, the impact that you want to make in the world. And now when I look at it as a guy who recently is married, who has a, a baby coming into the world, I don't think I would have been ready to provide in the way that I feel like I'm able to now, if I didn't have the audacity to go after something that was bigger than me mm-hmm. when I did, because I, I think I was, I was, I started to live from a desire to create a certain type of life, not only for myself, but for my family. And that's why I started in coaching. The only reason I, I got involved because I felt like I'd loved every, every area of my life, except how much money I was making. Did, can I ask a question about that? I'm just, yeah. I'm kind of rabbit trailing in my head, but yeah, yeah, yeah. how much, like how, how does having a, does having people around you drive you to, to shoot further and higher, be more audacious or is that a non-factor? I'm curious just in your own hundred percent, a hundred percent. I, and that's why I think, you know, when you asked the question earlier, I don't, if I wasn't a part of this specific group of people with this heart connected to these types of intentions, I think I'd, I'd be living a, a life where I'm like happy, but not really actualizing fully what's inside of me, you know? Cause I, I think I'd gotten really good at just being a person who enjoys my life and who can kind of make the best of whatever I have. Right. As opposed to making sure that what I have is my best or what I create is my best. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and that's a result I think of being specifically a part of this beautiful community that we have. Yeah. 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 I love that. And Jen, I'm interested for you too, like that moment when you talked about like how you're growing and really dissecting that. And, and just as a quick kind of like parlay to that, I, I read Matthew McConaughey's autobiography recently, and he talked in there about how when he made the jump from doing rom-coms to doing more, mm-hmm. more serious roles like Dallas Buyers Club and um, Interstellar and things, he tells a story about how they can't, you know, he, he basically told Hollywood, I'm not doing rom-coms anymore, but they kept coming and knocking. Yeah. And they came with this one option. They said, hey, we'll give you $5 million for this. And it would have been easy for him, probably a 30 day shoot, bam, bam, yeah. done. And they kept raising it and they went all the way up to 14 and a half mil. Yeah. And he said no. Right. And it, and he had just, you know, so for him, it was, it was so inspiring to me of like what Dan and Johan said so far and Janet, you're probably something in the same vein where you, you feel the fear and you just, you just go for it. You just swing yeah. big. And when you could have Johan, maybe could have got a contract that, you know, a thousand bucks a month, he swung for 2000 a month and didn't get it. And then you're like kicking yourself, which happened to me about three years ago or two <laughs> years ago now where I did that and totally fell on my face. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so Jenna, how about, how about you? Like what, where, yeah. and, and dissect that a little bit for us. Well, and it's funny as I think about it and my decision to do that and how quickly and easily I was able to adjust how I relate to that or my mindset or um, the fear compared to if it was like three years ago, five years ago, where my life was mostly answering the question. And we talk about this a lot with our clients and in the firm, but my life was mostly answering the question, how do I feel good now? Hmm. Um, which is, okay, I'm going to say yes to this thing versus, you know, what am I capable of or what are we capable of? Which and and that question, and I, I tell this to clients all the time, and we talk about this, but I can see looking back to making that decision. And now I'm like, I'm going to be fine, like in the next month, you know, like there's that like fear of, oh my gosh, I have this big drop. Um, but 
you know, I, I'm going to be fine now, but there was a, a, two, a month and a half of like, oh crap, should I have taken that work? Uh, and I can see how the, the, um, the mental weight lifting that I've been doing over the past few years has gone into effect in those moments where I feel that fear and the vision of where I want to go and who I want to be as a coach, the money I want to make, the the levels to which I want want to get to is uh, inspiring enough for me to say no to the temporary feeling good now in order to move forward. So um, I, that's why I feel so grateful to be kind of really deep into the this work and, and the culture mm-hmm. of our firm that it it almost became second nature to me. It was that my auto response uh, wasn't as difficult to navigate that, that fear in the short term. Mm-hmm. Dave Gerber, That's, you can't, uh, don't skip out on this. We want to hear how you've been growing. Yeah, as a coach. Exactly. Yeah. How, are, how are you growing as a coach? I'm dishing this around. <laughs> um, right now, one of mine is, is similar with Dan's in terms of um, I, I can love to, to just take on so much. And I'm like, I could, I could do this. I could do this and just kind of sack it up and, uh, but the other one, I think I'll, I'll talk about more, which feels more vulnerable for me. Um, so I'm in a season right now where I've 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 been in therapy, and for me during this season, and it's a it's uh, it's been a really incredible journey. Um, and talk about like exploring some of the non-flattering areas of our lives and just things that are going on in our lives. And I think it's such a crucial point. And one of the pitfalls I fell into early on in coaching was uh, now I've learned this this new approach to life. I should just like stick me in a microwave, pull me out and I'm done. And I'm like ready to go. And now I've, I've mastered all the things. And then you quickly find out that you haven't. And, uh, and I've got a number of stories I could tell over the years. And, and so this has been a a new season. And and if people are familiar with Joseph Campbell's, um, hero's journey and, and particularly the part that's the the funnest, the the, the funnest, funner, the most fun part of it being, you know, this, this kind of death and resurrection process of Mm -hmm. uh, metaphorically of what it means. Um, mm-hmm. to enter those those seasons of life mm-hmm. and and uh as as painful as it can feel at times it's it's been really really helpful and uh I, to the degree where i think a lot of us coaches at the firm are very very huge advocates of therapy for mm-hmm. not only ourselves our, our team our clients things like that as well the biggest way i'm currently growing in therapy is is this idea that i realize like i I like to have everything figured out. I, so I, I try to pre-plan the next six months of my life so I can like, bap, 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 you know, like I can, I can, and I can, I can uh, set it up for maximum awesomeness and and live into it. Mm-hmm. And in times of life where people that might be listening or ourselves, where things are uh, less certain, um, that, that can be a little bit challenging. And so how do I just live in the moment and stay in the moment and trust myself day to day rather than even week to week, month to month or quarter to quarter just what does today offer and how do I get present to that? Mm. That's one of the biggest, uh, biggest ones. And yeah, I'm, I'm debating how much to go into the other ones. I don't know if I'm still going off the rails. So um, yeah, that's good. That's good. Are, are they going to make your wife mad? Don't do anything that's going to get you in trouble. <laughs> I'll do my best. <laughs> um, and uh, gosh, yeah. So, well, can I, can I also ask you around? So I, I love that. And I think that's, that's so powerful because I feel we are better coaches for our clients when we are actually 
uh, living and stepping into this idea that yeah. we don't have to have it all figured out and that there's a constant seasons of death and resurrection, death and resurrection. And that's why I love our, uh, so for those of you listening who are not familiar, uh, Novus Global has a lot of maxims. And one of our maxims is always rest, never coast, um, which I love. And it's a great cultural maxim, uh, mantra, whatever you want to say, to have because it gets us out of this idea that, okay, I've I've arrived now. Whether it's as a human or as a coach, like, okay, I'm a good enough coach now. I can just chill. <laughs> well, imagine, imagine for, but imagine for a moment, um, a firm of coaches who aren't growing, coaching people in growth. Yeah. Like the, the hypocrisy of that. Um, and, and one of the things that I think is, is really cool to, as we're just talking about this is, you know, we're not inviting and advocating for our clients or people that we care about um, friends, family, people we work with to grow in a way that we're not committed to growing ourselves. And mm-hmm. I think out there's a lot of coaching out there that's not rooted in, in it's people trying to lead people where they've never gone before, um, without even exploring it themselves. And, and I, I was actually really convicted over uh, the holidays because I realized a lot of the practices that I do with my clients and with my athletes and groundings, I had really drifted away from. And I was wondering mm-hmm. why I was feeling so restless and anxious. And, and I was like, oh yeah, I'm not really connected to my vision. I'm not really connected to uh, taking these risks and moving forward. So mm-hmm. I think one of the things that that comes up for me a lot is like, and it's a good question to ask yourself if you're a coach uh, just listening to this is, am I practicing what I'm, I'm calling people into? Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe not in terms of method, like maybe not the specific things they're doing, but the value that it's drive that's driving it. Um, yeah. and so it's, I love listening to, I love listening to each of, uh, of you guys talk about like how mm-hmm. you're committed to growth in, in yeah. your own life. Yeah. Cause way. right now I'm, I'm, I'm trying to start sandboxes and I don't know what the hell I'm doing, <laughs> <laughs> you know? And, and, well, and, and for those of you listening, sandboxes is a term we have for, uh, when you want to grow, uh, or have a client where it, you have, you can bring in other coaches to work with that company. So it's a, it's a wonderful, wonderful thing to build because then you get to gift work to other people and you serve a large company. So yeah, I'm, I'm with you, Johan. <laughs> right. And again, I think it's just reflective of what we're talking about right now, who we are mm-hmm. and the true commitment to growth. And if we're honest, I think we live in a, I th- my belief is that we live in a culture that's okay with the hypocrisy of, I think, you mm-hmm. know, it's like, tell me what to do, even if you're not doing it, because mm-hmm. I, I like feeling like busy trying to yeah. you know what i mean like as a well, you're a part totally like you're a part of the same system right like if you right. can be a hypocrite then i can be a hypocrite then you can be a hypocrite right, right? Like yeah. it's just right. that's the way it works and and mm-hmm. i think that's the thing is for us where integrity is not just a word that we throw around but we are actually trying you know we want to be who we say we are it's it's not just wordplay it's not just rhetoric it's not something we do to sign clients or market ourselves but we actually are committed to this even when it gets messy and I would say Gerber and I have been a part of that, right? Sometimes it gets messy, but we we work it out. We figure it out and we're, we're, we stay brothers. We stay connected and family, even when things get messy. And I think when it comes to growth, if that's the type of mindset we have, we're going to grow forever. Yeah. 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 Well, what, what do you, the three of you think about, because obviously I think in some ways for us, the culture of the firm provides a lot for us that, many people don't have. I mean, I can't tell you how many people I've talked to that are like, man, I wish there was a Novus Global 
for makeup artists or for, you know, like a different, different uh, fields um, or even people who go to churches where those, the church community is supposed to provide that. And maybe that's lacking. Um, And I remember when I was introduced to coaching, my first thought was how come all my mentors, leaders in my life over the last decade have not asked me questions like this. (laughs) Why, what was missing there? And um, yeah, just zooming out, like, why do you think that that that's missing so much? Who do you, who you want anybody to jump in? I want anyone to jump in, but I can go. Well, let me, David, uh, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> Actually, I would like to hear your answer to that first. Yeah. <laughs> and then we'll jump okay. in. Yeah. Yeah. So my thought is, well, one, I think culturally we've gotten into the habit of similar to what you were just saying, Dan, letting each other off the hook. Um, well, and let, let's see here, not letting each other off the hook, but I, I do think that it's, uh, when a cultural value is comfort, then it's an easy drift to want to steer away from having like those deeper relationships where we actually yeah. say like, I, I want to grow where my, mm-hmm. my, like, like we say in the firm, my bullseye is growth versus my bullseye being comfort. And we talk a lot about how uh, when you seek comfort, it's actually, you don't get comfort. When you seek happiness, you don't actually get happiness. So the pursuit of comfort doesn't actually bring that. And I think somehow in, you know, the way that we're raised, you know, maybe it's uh, like my, if I could wave a magic wand, I wish schools would teach the stuff that we talk about to elementary school, you know, kids to junior highers, to high schoolers, Um, we are, we very much teach our kids what to think, not how to think. And I know I'm not the first one to to say that, but that is what I think is the problem with creating a culture where we actually are okay having hard conversations and, um, like saying, Hey, you, you, you've been late for the last few things that we've, we've been to what's going on. (laughs) Are you okay? You know, rather than, Oh, it's it's fine. It's fine. So that's, that's my, my first thought. Um, Dan, what do you think? So you're in the specific question again is, is why do you think that this, that the depth of community doesn't exist? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, and actually, and this kind of piggybacks onto something else I've been thinking about in terms of like, um, when we're starting with clients, when we're setting up coaching relationships, how do we ensure that that space doesn't become like every other space? Yeah. Right. Um, it's and like in the way I relate to this, the coaching relationship is a sacred space. In fact, my hope would be that all my relationships would have a, a flavor of it, but to, to go to the question then, and I, we'll talk more about that. I'm sure in a few minutes, but to the question itself, like, why isn't there more spaces like that? It's funny. Cause as we start talking to people, when I start talking to people in an intake conversation around their life, it always shocks me how much I hear, man, I have nowhere to talk about these sorts of things or nobody's yeah. asking me these questions or no. And, and like you said earlier, Janice, like why weren't all these, these mentors and leaders asking me these questions? One thing is I think we do live in a culture that does actually not know how to serve the person in front of mm. them. Mm. Um, we, it, I've noticed that in my own coaching development, like part of what really got in my own way early on in the days when I started coaching was I was thinking so much about how the person in front of me was experiencing me 
Mm. rather than truly just like, what's going on for this person? Like Mm. what, where, where, like truly listening to another human being is a skill that most people I don't think are ever taught or really have. And, Mm. and if, I think if we did, we would have far more, you think about our geopolitical environment, you think about relational breakdown. I think a lot of those, those things um, happen because there's a deficit of that skill. I think at least in the West, I noticed that in the West a lot. Um, and so for me, it's like, there's, there's that courage piece we talked about earlier. I don't know if people have the courage to have the the honest, like, this is actually what I'm thinking. This is actually what I'm, and then we also don't have the skill set coupled with the skill set to, to listen for that, to really go, huh? Like this person isn't really telling me the truth. I think a lot of people know that they sense it, but they don't know what the next question might be. Mm -hmm. Um, but what's funny is we do practice this. Like I'm a parent, I got three kids. And if you have kids, you, you do this, actually, you do this a lot. It's just, we never, and I'll be careful about that word. Never. Like it's often not done. Uh, We're not listening to adults the way we often listen to kids. Cause my kids will come up to me and say something like, and I'll know I'm not getting the whole truth. They'll say something (laughs) like, you know, my, my, my sister hit me. And I'm like, "Uh uh-huh. That's one part of a very complex story, I'm sure, right? <laughs> what are you not telling me? And it's funny how as adults, we we almost like want to assume that everyone's just being straightforward and yeah. not holding anything back, but it's totally not true. Like that's constantly going on. So what's the skill set that needs to be developed where we slow down and go like, hey, I'm noticing, I don't think you're telling me what really is going on for you. or yeah. And that's that's a scary thing. I think it requires um, courage to, to step into that conversation too. That was yeah. a very convoluted answer, but I'll let you make sense out <laughs> well, of it. It reminds me, Dan, when you were, when you were talking, um, I was thinking about the, the quote from Kierkegaard where he says that there's this human condition where we find a level of despair we find tolerable and call it happiness. Yeah. And I think the reason that these spaces don't exist is because they do require a a discipline mm. to uh to a craft of of great relationships and that uh that's difficult work you know um i think i might have butted heads with all three of you on this call at some point not and butted heads is a weird way of saying it but like maybe had a disagreement or gotten frustrated with or you know i was having a long week and i got pissed off about something and um and and it's part of what i love about the community is we have this system baked in to where you know, usually we either discuss it or we bring in like another, a third party to help hold the space for us mm-hmm. because relationships are messy. And when we get involved in it ourselves, um, it, we can just kind of lose our bearings. And so sometimes having a third party, it's, um, it's really helpful. Have you ever noticed how, and, and Johan, David and myself were on one of those calls <laughs> like a week ago, like, like processing, and we could talk a little bit more about it if, if it would be fun, but <laughs> Um, I'm just putting everybody on the spot, but the one thing I just, I just wanted to say is I've noticed, um, have you noticed the cyclical nature with which people move on from work relationships? The moment it starts to get tough, the moment they start, like, it's like we're practicing division constantly Mm. rather than, I think there's a level of fortitude or or like you need to stick with some things to get to that level. But most of us hit the eject button the moment yep. things get a little rocky or mm-hmm. our personality comes back at us in the community we're in. And yeah. so that to me is like a huge piece. Don't hit the eject button. Well, Joe, you know, I know you in, in response to the question is, um, I think we have communities that are more rooted in the, the idea of love mm. versus, you know, the reality <laughs> of love. 
Yeah. Yeah. You know, a romanticized culture for sure. Right. It's like the, because I think if we really loved each other, really truthfully loved each other, we have hard conversations. We don't, we don't, we don't give each other a pass, you know, quote unquote. We don't let each other off the hook. Right. We hold a powerful space because of love. Mm -hmm. And I think, again, that's one of the, I feel like the superpowers that we lean into um, intentionally as coaches. Because we say, look, I'm going to I'm going to tell you something difficult, not because I want you to feel bad, but because mm-hmm. I love you. Mm-hmm. And imagine if each and every like one of the communities, you know, Janet, when you talk about a makeup community, a, you know, a church community, uh, a political community, fill in the mm-hmm. blank of everywhere we even see like strife right now in America. Imagine if it was rooted in love as opposed to like being right or wanting to look good or any other thing that I think we bow down to that holds us back from true loving. Yeah. Yeah. What you just said, I think is, um, one of the biggest deficits in culture generally. And I think that's one of the reasons why, like when I think of how we set up our relationships with our clients Mm -hmm. and how we, how we arrange contracts and how we discuss, um, uh, broken commitments. Like when, when advocacy and love is at the root of it, it changes the tone of the conversation completely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and, and, you know, in a way that it envelops both like how we set up our relationship with our clients as well as with our friends, like, like even with friends, I'm, I, this, you know, friends we've created over the last couple of years, I'll check in every quarter, every six months and say like, Hey, I want to make sure that this relationship feels like it's beneficial for both of us or anything I'm doing that's affecting it, you know, type of thing. And I think staying in connection with that and being the, the first to go to say, Hey, I really want to have great friendship. I know that in friendships as they mature, like people get annoyed with each other or things that happen. I'm like, would you just do me the favor of being honest with me? I do that with my clients too. It's like, Hey, nothing's beyond a conversation. If I piss you off, if I miss something, if I break a commitment with you, would you please tell me so that we don't like something doesn't fester for nine months. And we talk about this with clients with feedback. It's like, man, if you aren't getting feedback for six months, you're doing something wrong. If it goes that long before you get data. Right. And so how do we, and I think fostering setting up, our relate client relationships um, really powerful to win is, is, is predicated so much on agreements. Um, What other, what other thoughts do we all have around setting up really powerful client relationships? Well, I was just going to add this one, this one thing, because I feel like being a coach has transformed how I show up now that I'm a married man. Cause the other day (laughs) I got mad at my wife, not because she told me something difficult, but because she was sitting on it for three months. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, I was like, hey, tell me that in the beginning. Like, I want to hear the hard thing, you know? And I think she's coming out of an old way of thinking, which is like, ah, when you when you tell somebody these types of things, it actually causes a wedge in the relationship. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm like, no, that's actually like for me, that's going to bring me closer to you. That's intimacy. That's more love. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, Dan, you... Yeah. you well, it I just reminds me of a in. quote. Yeah. It reminds me of a quote. Uh, I can't remember where this came from. You can, you probably all know uh, that the is it the weakness of a soul is proportionate to the truths that must be kept from it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the number of truths mm-hmm. that must be kept from it. Yeah, this mm-hmm. idea that, um, and I think sometimes we can we can play like um, cowardice or or 
be cowardly and like, oh, they can't handle that. Like I, I've had right. conversations with clients and they're like, oh, they can't handle that conversation. This person, I can't talk to them about it. But really what it's revealing is no, no, no. It's not that the other person can't handle it. It's that you can't handle the emotions <laughs> and the potential impact of having that conversation. So like yeah. mm. it, it is a huge, um, I think at the beginning of setting up a client relationship, having laying some of those those key groundwork uh, or laying some of that foundation uh, at the beginning to, to help set the stage and then getting really clear ultimately about what the, the client really wants to do there. And I tell clients this all the time. I'm like, just so you know, and it's kind of a warning and a promise, this will change you. Yeah. And I want you to know that. And I want you yeah. to take that really seriously because if, if you're up for like achieving what you say you want to achieve, let's, let's get that zeroed in. Let's get that really specific. So we know what we're going after in order to achieve something you've never done before. That feels way outside of what you think is possible. It's going to involve your transformation and transformation requires that advocacy, that open conversation, those moments of like, Hey, I'm not going to sit on something for three months. I'm going to sit on it maybe for three, three seconds. <laughs> maybe three minutes. Three minutes. Well, well, here's the thing. So I, I, when I was a, Early on in my coaching experience, I would sit on things because because I had the idea of like, well, when's the right time? Yeah. And then I think the more I grew as a coach, I, I moved away from that. And I remember I started off, it was my first call um, with a client at Green Dot Schools. And my first call with him, I was like, hey, um, I'm experiencing you as having like a really erratic energy. <laughs> and And he was like, like, you know, you could see that like jolted him for a second. <laughs> and he brought it up later on. He was like, man, that when you said that, that like set the tone for me. And I was like, okay, we're here. We're here to really do some good work. Mm, As opposed yeah. to, like sitting, sitting on that for a while. And even actually um, one of our producers right now, I don't, I don't know. I'm going to just say his name, Matthew. <laughs> I remember <laughs> on one of our, on one of our calls. Um, and I think it was like maybe the second call where I was like, wow you tend to ramble <laughs> and then he was just like <laughs> again it was like this jarring moment for us but then we both got clear with what that meant and even what we're committed to in this space and and we were now really off to the races in the best of ways as opposed to just sitting on that and, uh, and not talking about it yeah dan well i'm just gonna say notice how that came from noticing him right yeah. like all of that was in plain sight yeah but people just they, they, oh, you know, that's so like, they don't say, Hey, like I'm noticing you're grumpy a lot. Like every time mm -hmm. you show up, like I have one client who I won't name, but he's a professional athlete. And whenever we talk, I was like, Hey man, you seem pissed off. <laughs> and he's like, I'm not I'm like, cool. Like, I'm glad you're not just so you know, I experienced you that way. It doesn't mean you are that way, but I wonder who else might. <laughs> mm -hmm. Right, that matter to you, and and it's funny because I've seen him shift. I've seen him shift, like he shows up, and he's. And I don't know if he's acting for me yet. I haven't asked him that question. Maybe I'm sitting on it. I got to get to it, right? Mm, but okay. oh, there we go. <laughs> I think I'm, uh, go ahead, Janet. Uh, I was just gonna say, and it's for even the the newer like tr uh, coaches in training that are listening because. Uh, you know, we, we have an institute where we have 10 apprentices going through an 18 month program right now. And that's one of the biggest muscles that I'm watching them all build is, uh, how to hear that thing internally that you think or feel or sense or into it and put it out there rather than wait, 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 because obviously, you know, 
this, this could be a value of ours, but as a coach, just as we're inviting our clients to be honest and to have those hard conversations, are we willing to step out? Are we willing to give that feedback, that thought, that experience? Uh, and yeah, it's, it's, it's a muscle. <laughs> it definitely yeah. is. Yeah. I think, um, to piggyback on this, hopefully it's, it's, it's tangential enough, like where it's, where it's, it's, it's really keeping the, the person in front of you, like Dan is saying, Johan saying, like really keeping them in mind and seeing them. And then, and then it's about serving them. Mm-hmm. And I remember I had this, the first number of years of coaching, I was just so afraid to like call somebody mm-hmm. out or whatever. And I had this whole narrative and story about what that meant. And it really meant I wasn't seeing them at all. Cause I was mm-hmm. just more worried about how it was going to cross for me. If I was going to lose the client and blah, 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 whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And then once I started to see people, I would just start to, as soon as something would come up, as soon as it was, you know, work to bring it up, whether it's disrupt and bring it up or give it a few minutes and let the person go and then bring it up. But it was really this, um, it was this communication to them that like, I've got you mm-hmm. and I care about you enough to be in those spaces with you. Like what Dan's saying with like, Hey, just so you know, you come, you come across as like pissed off um, or you come across as entitled or whatever it is. Like most, like some people would go their entire life and nobody would ever say that to them. And they mm-hmm. might miss out on a whole nother level of living that they couldn't have. They wouldn't have access to without hearing that. Um, mm-hmm. And so you're communicating like, Hey, I want you to have access to the best life you can imagine and the performance and impact. So I'm going to say this stuff to you. And if it pisses you off, you know, sorry, mm-hmm. next kind of thing. Go ahead, John. Well, I was going to say, cause when you were coaching me, you invited me to step into that 10%. You're like, okay, tell me the 10% thing that you're not willing to tell me. Yeah. And then I was like, okay, you know what? Um, you created me as a frat boy. And then you were like, I hate you right now. <laughs> well, it's so great. And I love, I love like testing that. And even like with, with newer coaches I'm coaching right now in our program, I actually, I'm like, where can you go and lose face? Where can you go and flex that muscle of telling somebody a judgment you have about them and then watch them be like, yes, so, okay. Or, or like, oh, that's things. Let's talk about it or whatever it was. And with Johan, when he shared that with me, because I was wanting it, I was really wanting to see Johan use his voice because there's like a depth to to our, everyone's got the depth of their voice. And I sensed that Johan was holding back with his clients, not saying those things. And so I said, practice on me, like say something to me that might piss me <laughs> off. And then he said that. And I was like, that's great. Like, yeah. Yeah. And, you, and, you and nailed then we had, that one. <laughs> <laughs> and we had so much fun about it, but I, but what the great thing about it was I actually learned a lot in that. Right. Mm-hmm. So now I realize, Oh, when I walk into a room, I might occur this way to somebody. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that might really serve me in certain spaces, which is fine. In some places that might diminish my credibility walking into it. Yeah. Right. And so I get to utilize that now, that self-awareness of going, oh, I walk in with a pissed off face or I walk in with this. And how can I how can I be more aware of the impact I have when I walk into a room so I can align it with what I value? No, I was just going to say, because, uh, you know, I want to I want to show some love to Gerber, because I think you could have done the easier thing, which was go try this on somebody else. <laughs> and I, you know what I mean? And I think you did the more difficult, vulnerable thing. And again, to me, it's even like loving thing to be like look man i'm gonna put myself in front of you right now in a vulnerable way to say hey try on me mm-hmm. so that's a testament i think to who you are as a coach and i think what people are up for when they coach with you I what i was that. gonna what i was gonna say and i yeah gerber been been coached by you several times and <laughs> and that's the sentiment is real there too i feel exactly the same way johan does about 
just the, the, the way in which you bring that vulnerability. I was going to say is one thing you said that's really important not to just gloss over is that when you're offering those observations, if they're not aligned to, if you don't know what the person actually wants to create or the way they want to show up, sometimes those comments aren't helpful at all. And yeah. so, so there's like a connection to, hey, what does this person want? Like if I came to Johan, I'm like, hey, Johan, I got a lot of feedback on you about being a grandfather. And he's like, I don't, well, I don't know. Like, maybe I should ask you, like, are you committed? Like, what, what are you committed to causing as a grandfather? <laughs> Joe? Um, maybe like the style of a grandpa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like that's, and that's, a, that's a reach, right? So like, yeah. there's a, there's an alignment of like, Hey, what does this person want? Cause I've seen rookie coaches think, Oh, I, I, I got to go out there and just tell people how I experienced them yeah. without Two key ingredients, knowing what the person in front of them wants, what kind of vision do they have for what they want? Is your feedback even having anything to do with that? Yeah. Um, Yeah. And then the second piece, and this is, this is the, we kind of going back in time a little bit, but um, are you, are you, are you connected to the advocacy and a love for that person? Yeah. Um, Because I, I just have learned in my own practice when I, when I tap into that current of like, I'm committed to loving this person. Um, and they can sense that they experience that from me. Not only am I, not only is that my intention, but that's my impact. Those yeah. two things happening at the same time. That's when the relationships that I've had with my clients open up at such a deep level. There's such care and and I think depth of a conversation that we can really talk about anything. And yeah. I'm curious, Janet, like, is that been your experience in terms of offering what you're seeing and like what's worked and what hasn't for you with your clients. Yeah. Well, the line that came, came up for me when you said that, Dan, cause I do think as we're talking all about being honest, it's important to say all these other things so that people don't leave this going, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to say that thing. Um, <laughs> you're an but, asshole. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? You're an asshole. I listened to this podcast by a bunch of coaches and never mind. It doesn't matter who they are. Um, <laughs> everyone just starts doing that. Um, the, the line that I love, that relates that is, is feedback without connecting it to a person's vision is basically just an opinion. And we all have lots of opinions. (laughs) Like this person shouldn't be doing that. That person should do that. This, you know, um, but unless it's actually, Hey, is that something you want? Is, Is this something you're going after? Um, and I've, I, gosh, I love that little, piece or that, that way of, of connecting it when it comes to feedback so much, it's helped me as a coach. It's helped me in relationships so much because when I feel that the temptation to jump in with something, I will now pause and think to ask the question, Hey, what do you, what do you want in relationship to X? Right. And so, um, I found that to be so powerful. And then even just like with, with my clients, you know, what's so interesting uh, is oftentimes when people are struggling, they come to a call and they say, hey, this is what maximum value is for my call today. And they'll say, I need to give feedback to this employee of mine or this team member. I'll say, great. What's what's the feedback you have for them? And they think that I'm going to tell them how to say it afterwards. And I'm like, great, that's good. Go tell them that. Because <laughs> um, often what I find is that people can actually um, put it together when they're not around that person and they like, and, and then that can be in front of their coach or whoever. Right. And they'll actually say, well, what I really want this person to do is this great. Have you told them that? Well, no, (laughs) 
great. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> no. And it's because I'm such a scared of heights. <laughs> <laughs> such a simple tool, but it's just so powerful to be able to hold that space for our clients mm. to be able to to create cultures where you know, hey, this this is this is occurring for me, or this is what mm. how I'm experiencing this person, or this is how I'm experiencing you, and to be able to give them that opportunity to to go present that and go with curiosity, which is the other piece of feedback that is important for us to mention. It's like, go like invite curiosity for the both of you when you're giving feedback. Um, don't just go with like, this is how it is. Um, this is who you are. Uh, but be willing to be wrong, but don't hold anything back. Uh, yeah. I love that. Well, <laughs> I, I would say for me as a, as a guy who really loves story, you know, mm. I, I would want to, you know, land in a way or end in a way that kind of encapsulates some of the stories that we've shared. So I guess a part of what I've experienced so far is it's just us digging really deep into what does it mean to live a life where we're committed to growth, mm. right? And I think that's a part of why we've gotten into this field is we're just so deeply committed to growing personally and then holding for, you know, space for other people to grow as well. Um, what what I would love to ask and and get all our two cents on is if you're gonna if you were right now to tell somebody hey I'm gonna invite you into growth because fill in the blank how would you guys finish that is is you you have an audience of the whole world right now and you can tell them this one thing and based on this one thing they're all gonna want to jump and you know work with a coach and grow and become the best version of themselves what what would you say. I, I have something already that comes to mind. I I firmly believe that a life of growth is creates the most fulfillment, not just, you know, growth o- only so I can get that outcome or only so I can get that six figure, you know, practice or only so I can get that that thing that I want. But growth for this for the sake of the journey um, and that when you're living a life committed to growth. And obviously for a vision, but when you're living a life that's committed to growth, I personally believe that that's where you experience the most richness, fulfillment, joy. Um, I ask my clients often like, hey, think think back on your life. What was the most like thrilling, exciting, wonderful moment you've ever had in your life? And almost always they reference a time where they were in some huge risk. It required them to grow. Uh, it's not usually when they were comfortable sitting on their couch watching, watching Netflix. <laughs> so that, that would be my pitch for growth. I dig it. Yeah. And, and to piggyback on that a little bit, this might sound similar, so I'm not ripping your answer off, but I'm going to rip your answer off. Um, yeah, I know. But I, I, I fundamentally believe that, um, if you're the greatest areas of growth are also the greatest areas of meaning. Mm. And I think there is a, a um, deficit of meaning in people's lives, mm. um, mostly because there's an avoidance of, of struggle and avoidance of pain. Growth is hard. Growth is challenging. Growth can be painful. It can be joyful. Like there's, there's an entire cornucopia of <laughs> emotions that you get to experience when you're growing. But um, And some are things that we love, like feel the burn when you're working out. Yeah. I love that feeling or, or like going through an incredible loss, which is something that, um, many of my clients and 
and I myself have gone through in my life, um, all, all led to or were um, part of the growth process for mm-hmm. me. And what I have noticed is that the more I grow, the more meaning my life has, the more richness my life has. So to speak to your word, like fulfillment. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think sometimes we forget that meaning um, and growth are connected and we try to create meaning in, in, in comfortable ways and then wonder why we're not feeling fulfilled. I've met lots of people who are very successful, um, but they're not really growing. They're not challenging themselves, not growing their relationships. And they feel discouraged and they feel like their life almost is nihilistic. It doesn't have meaning and they know it's supposed to. It's almost like they believe it's supposed to. And I really do think growth is one of the key ingredients. I don't think it's the only ingredient, but I think it's one of the key ingredients to creating meaning. Uh, by the way, that's not a diss on sitting on the couch and watching Netflix because that is <laughs> awesome. We love it. I did that yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> well, some people want to grow in that. You know what I mean? Yeah. That your area of growth. We all know my own journeys, right? <laughs> yeah. Dedication to growing, eating lots of Doritos. Mm-hmm. Gerber, do you have your Gerber. pitch? Uh, my pitch. I, I, I would... Uh, I think we're all of a very similar mind. I think when you, when you experience something, so for example, like the story I have for it is like, I did a Ironman in 2016 and there is such a feeling of accomplishment or fulfillment or whatever you want to call it when you cross the finish line and you do something. And I honestly think I would have had that if I, even if I hadn't finished, but uh, having finished it, it was, it was even that much better. And, and I think about that in terms of, uh, we we use this phrase of, you know, what does it look like to make the pain count? Because mm. um, you're going to experience challenge and pain in life. And it's like, how do we make it, how to make it count? And, um, and so how uh, growth, I, I think is really the only trajectory to making the pain count. And growth is, is the only hope to, um, if you're listening to this and you're struggling at all with just, you know, um, like a zest for life. It's like you're sitting there and you're going, gosh, I really want to, I really want to have more of a zest for life or I want to have more energy flowing through my veins. Uh, growth, I think is the only hope. And I think I lived 28 years of my life thinking that watching Netflix on the couch before Netflix almost existed. But um, it, it, like, I thought that somehow like, like um, this richness and zest for life was going to come and hit me with a two by four out, out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. And then I realized pretty quickly, uh, well, not quickly, took me three decades to realize that's not how it works. You have to go after it with a club as Jack London says. Mm. And, um, and so that, uh, the only, ho- that, I'd say that, that that's your only hope to have a zest for life. And so if you're longing to like have more energy in your veins, growth is the only hope. Nice. Just one thing came to mind as you were talking, David. Um, I, most people have this like aspiring idea that they're going to, build a life and then make a bunch of money and then sit back and do nothing. And, um, one of my close friends, uh, years ago, he built a company, he sold it, made a huge nest egg and got super depressed. (laughs) And, and it was interesting because he, I saw him wrestle for close to two years. Um, he was so miserable and he had all the money he needed. He didn't need to work anymore. He had a family, but he just had no purpose. And it wasn't until he went and started another company, another thing, he had something else to sink his teeth into that he he came back to life. It, like literally like his emotional life. It was fascinating just to watch him 
come alive in a new way. And, yeah. and I think that, that, that just came to my mind as you guys were talking about that. It's just such an important piece. It, paradise is not sitting on the beach for the rest of your life. That's a good part of it. Vacations yeah. are awesome. Rest is yeah. great. But if you do that all the time, you'll atrophy and you won't be able to get up out off of the chair. And that's a problem. And I think that's why there's a lot of, a lot of people chasing things right now that aren't going to lead to the meaning they think it will. Yeah. Bring us home, Johan. Johan, what's yours? Yeah. Well, um, I've been, I've been thinking a lot about since we have a little baby that's growing in my wife's belly, just thinking about what if we didn't care about her physical growth right now? Like, what if, what if we didn't care? What if we just wanted her to be in the belly forever? Like how, how strange would that be? You know, instead of being so excited to see her grow, to get the updates, to, to finally have the moment of birth and then to create all these beautiful moments with her, you know, like I keep saying, like, I can't wait to meet my daughter, you know? And, and I think part of what I would invite everybody, you know, who's listening to this is like, if you're as interested in your own birth and renewal process and the things that you can create, right? Like that's where life is lived. Mm. Um, and I think something happens to us where we almost want to protect the thing, right? Like we want to keep our life in the womb as opposed to, cause this is part of what I'm afraid of as a father is once <laughs> my daughter comes out into the world, she will be in danger. Yes. And, um, you know, there's risk of harm, there's risk of hurt, there's risk of all these things. Mm. And so the temptation is to keep her safe instead of releasing her into a life of growth. Yeah. Um, so that's my pitch. I just mm. came up with it right now. So I think I got some cleaning up to do, but that's uh, the heart and soul <laughs> of it for me. All right. Well, oh, thank man. you. Thank you all for, for being here. And it's, I hope it's been resourceful for your journey in life. And mm. we'll catch up with you on the next one. Thank you for listening. For more resources like this, as well as articles and videos by all of our coaches, go to novus.global and click on resources. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe. That helps us out a lot. Rate and leave a review. If you didn't like us, just leave us alone. We drop new episodes every week and we don't want you to miss out. If you want to explore hiring a Novus Global Coach or becoming an executive coach at the Meta Performance Institute for Coaching, email us at begin at novus.global or click the link in the show notes. Thank you again for listening. And remember, dare to go beyond high performance.